0: I'm Alex Semenzato, and this is a Semo podcast. This episode is presented by Elo, the Creators Network. Elo is a global community of artists dedicated to creative excellence, built by artists for artists. If you're a creator and you want to create a profile and collaborate with your peers, or you just love art and creativity and you want to check out some of the incredible works from all over the world you can now by heading to ello.co. what's up everyone how are you i hope you're having an excellent day and an even better week whatever you've been up to Welcome back to another episode. This week, we speak with James Kirkham, who joined Defected Records as Chief Business Officer in January 2020. Making the move to the independent label from an advertising and marketing background, James was previously at football media company Copper90, where during his successful tenure there, he secured partnerships with brands such as Uber, Budweiser, Nike, Pepsi, and EA Sports. Prior to Copper 90 James founded his own digital advertising business, Holler, the first agency in the world to market a TV show using social media, and acquired by Publicist Group in 2010. James was then promoted to Leo Burnett Worldwide's Global Head of Social and Mobile, working with clients such as Procter & Gamble, McDonald's, Coca-Cola, and Kellogg's. At Defected Records, joining the label as it enters its third decade, James is overseeing all social, content, marketing, and PR activations at Defected and makes an invaluable addition to the company as it navigates its position as an industry leader in a new era for the music industry. In March 2020, Defected launched their virtual festival, a standalone event that evolved into a weekly residency in response to the multiple event cancellations from the COVID-19 outbreak. Within four weeks, the online residency accumulated over 10 million views and gained worldwide recognition and acclaim, gaining media coverage in The Telegraph, BBC Radio 2, Six Music, Evening Standard, and many more. As one of the world's foremost media industry speakers, James has appeared on stage for a number of years at the Cannes Line Festival of Creativity featured in Beamer's prestigious Top 100 for three years running and was recently selected as one of the top leaders under 40 in the sports business. He was also named in Campaign Magazine's esteemed Power 100 in July 2019. This is a fantastic episode and someone that is a huge fan of Defected Records. It was amazing to speak to James and learn all about his new role and the crazy year that they've had some of the amazing initiatives that they've developed for the music industry and artists and DJs and dancers all around the world. I hope you enjoy this episode. Thanks for listening and see you next week. Hi, James. How are you? I'm really well. Thank you very much. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining us on the CMO podcast. It's great to have you on and really excited to learn a lot more about the amazing work you're doing. Uh, But as always, we love starting with some icebreakers. So are you ready? i don't know if i am ready but go on (laughs) okay nice and easy first favorite color (laughs) um green green okay nice one that's the third person that said green recently (laughs) that's good it's a good good color um favorite nightclub in the world
1: oh gosh probably one that isn't a proper club pikes in ibiza but it's more the tiny little club within a hotel mad sprawling labyrinth like night spot but that that dance floor goes when it's a goes. great answer did you have you read his book i have it's yeah. brilliant it's one of those books you read in about six hours isn't it most, yeah. most incre- i was very fortunate to meet him a few times and oh, his, his stories live are exactly like the stories yeah. in the book.
0: it's just Generally, like that's a definition of debauchery <laughs> yeah generally pretty obscene but just unbelievable amazing and as a good segue from that question if you owned a nightclub what would you name it well i wasn't thinking of that segue
1: but that's not bad So pikes of course after tony pike well the one thing everyone always says to me is why is my handle Spoony bear on twitter and instagram and the Cold reality is is when I chose it, it was an old nickname, and I'm not going to give you the reason. <laughs> but I I called myself it on Twitter when Twitter started in a kind of well, I don't see this taken off and use that. I recall remember once when I was given a quite highfaluting senior role at a big ad agency, I was called into the global head of PR, and she's like. We got to do something about this at Spoonie Bear name (laughs) and uh, something I'd call the club Spoonie Bear, just, just to create curiosity, if nothing else.
0: I think that's a fantastic answer. (laughs) It's so good. Okay. Um, How would you describe your personality using ice cream flavors?
1: (laughs) Oh my gosh. Um, (laughs) Raspberry ripple, perhaps. I bloody love a raspberry ripple. Because, you know, I'm quite steady. I'm quite vanilla, but there's probably little hints in there that are a little
0: bit sharp. (laughs) Fantastic. Love that. Um, What is your favourite item you've bought in 2020? Wow. Um, Don't say a (laughs) desk for your uh, remote working.
1: (laughs) No. I'm trying to think what on earth I have bought because everything I've ever bought is only online, but I'm trying to think of something relevant. Do you know what? It's... um, It's treating myself to like a new pair of Nike high tops that I slightly adore and obsessively wear. But I'm a bit like that. I will buy them and then wear them to death. Yeah. Over and over again. So it's probably sadly something like that. But I remember when I sold my business and everyone, this was a long time ago, everyone was like, oh, wow, what did you buy? And genuinely, the thing I went out and bought was a pair of trainers and some (laughs) techniques. Amazing.
0: Um, What's your most used emoji? (laughs) <laughs> These are brilliant questions um, I think the wow
1: face Probably Actually It's
0: the, it's uh, the yeah, kind of
1: cool. Wow face I seem to find myself doing that an awful lot Probably because I'm just generally responding to people's lovely Sunset photos.
0: <laughs> Amazing um, And I guess you touched on it with the, with the Twitter handle, handle but just lastly A quick fun fact About you Um the
1: I'm listen, I'm not Mr. Jim, but the only exercise I do is boxing. And I once went well, twice went to Thailand to go on Thai boxing uh, camps in Kopanyang uh, and Koh Tao uh, for weeks on end in boxing gyms with people unbelievably fit, and then some idiot like me turning up uh, some media goon, uh, very much kind of flabby and useless. But it was the best experiences of my life.
0: Amazing, yeah, I've seen that. There's, there's kind of Muay Thai training camps in Thailand. People go and like, just what a great way to clear your mind and it's unbelievable. Yeah, amazing, awesome. Well, that's the end of our icebreakers round. Um, let's get down to business. So you're now chief business officer at UK-born house record label Defected Records. Uh, very exciting, and and we'll learn a bit more about your career journey before we discuss all the incredible stuff you guys have been doing in 2020. But firstly, for some of the audience that may not know Defected Records, could you just describe what it is? Um,
1: yeah, well, I think you put it quite well there. It's um, well, it's now 22 years old actually. I was going to say 21. I think it's just turned 22 years old. It's um, you know I can say this because it wasn't mine. I've only been there a year. The founder Simon Dunmore is arguably the most influential kind of dance imprint you Know in the world, it's certainly got the largest uh community in the world of house music fans. It has over seven million fans and followers now on platforms around the world. Um, it is uh, it is responsible for a million records, half of which you probably have uh, didn't realize was defected. Or just this year, we had stuff like John Summit's Deep End that broke the top 10, or Martinez Brothers Let It Go, or Honey Dijon, and the likes of those guys. And it goes all the way back to like Roger Sanchez's first number one. It's a pretty much a force to be reckoned with in dance culture it also has sub-brand sub-labels and are responsible for things like the glitter box uh platform and party and event that lives in ibiza every season in normal non-covid times uh there's also the likes of classic records underneath it so it's um it's a pretty serious label in that respect uh when i joined in january this year i said it was far more than a label though they'd been moving that way for some time but i kind of framed it as this new era music company because as well as doing a billion odd streams a year Defective Records has a community of over 7 million we've got a documentary coming out which is kind of a proper Netflix quality it's going to be doing a full cinema distribution of it uh, Q1 in 2021 we've got uh, we do storytelling and content and formats we do virtual events so it's this kind of content media powerhouse now but underpinned ultimately by what a good record label does is put out
0: great music awesome and how would you describe yourself and, and what your role is at Defected well they were you know I'd previously been
1: I'd had my own agency I'd worked in football which is another passion point and frankly I wanted to work in music and they had been a, a business that had really interested me because they were doing such great things you know as I say in and around a release um so they sort of created this role which I was very thankful for when we first started speaking ultimately i guess i'm responsible for everything other than bringing the music in so anything involved with promo and marketing content storytelling ip filmic kind of all of that bit that sits around the promotion of a record or an artist or the way we fuel our community would sort of come under my responsibility as well as stuff like commercial some of the brand deals that we're starting to do um big some of the big platform deals that we're doing as well all of that bit around innovation that will all sort of fall on my shoulders but it's the brilliant team underneath me that sort of managed to execute them stuff so well
0: awesome uh, and you just mentioned you know you touched on it there in terms of kind of your background and and I guess just an overview of your career journey to date um what, what have you been doing and, and what does that journey look like um
1: I guess hopefully now quite an interesting one someone joked the other day that well no someone jokes when I joined they wrote on my Instagram they said you're the only man who's man who I know who's managed to make a career out of his own hobbies. <laughs> Fantastic. And I guess because prior to defected I was four years at a brilliant business called Copper 90 which is a big fo- independent football business really it's cutting through everything it's football culture it's everything outside of the football matches it's the fan uh cycle it's the it's what football kind of means it's all of that bit so we did that for four years working with some of the world's biggest brands in football from ea to bard and nike and stuff like that And i loved it um and so you know from football to kind of house music i guess there's my hobby point prior to that um i'm 43 now so 20 years ago i started an agency called holler um with a friend and we start up started up just with a basic ethos of doing nice things for nice people this will make me sound terribly old to some of your kind of viewers and listeners but this is pre social media so we were doing kind of very very early forays into sort of marketing for music actually interestingly record labels we'd create little kind of e-cards which were sort of 360 by 360 dimension pieces of digital asset to promote a band or an artist with send to a friend mechanics so people would share them some sample and hear the music or see the artwork a few years after that social kind of hit and we were probably in the right place at the right time we won like agency of the year digitally and socially and stuff like that hollow was a a big deal in its way within the marketing uh, world, then we, we launched TV shows called Skins and Phone Jacker and Inbetweeners for E4. We did all the work for Innocent and for Red Bull. So it, it had a really exciting moment in the sun and we loved it. Um, and more than anything, I think it taught me how important it is to create these brilliant, long-lasting friendships. And there's so many people now who go all the way back to those days in holler and It's lovely to see how they've kind of gone on to great things uh, since.
0: Amazing. Super, super interesting. Um, cool. Well, yeah. I mean, as you mentioned, like Defected. I mean, I'm, I'm personally a, a big fan, and you know, right. I was excited to be in Ibiza, and you know, Glitterbox is obviously you know a fantastic standout event, yeah. um, and I think you know looking at it as as obviously a record label of that's been around for 22 years, as as you mentioned, um, showcasing some of the biggest and the best. But I, I kind of agree, obviously from the activity that's happened this year, but also it what how exciting kind of for you to join and and look at it as this kind of record label for this new decade you know how you can you pioneer the house music scene um and all the amazing kind of artists and events and activities so i mean would you describe it as an an ecosystem and and what is this hype machine that you that you discuss
1: ecosystem is a great word for it um yeah, like when I landed in there, as it were, I sort of looked around me, there were little elements that I definitely knew how they worked already. But then there are bits when you start to piece them together that Well, there was, there was, a, there was a sort of saying that it's like each individual part isn't rocket science. But when you put it all together, it frankly is. And so this hype machine, as I sort of termed it then, was frankly an ability yeah to take out, for example, or launch a new record or an artist, um, a new single or whatever, into the community almost irrespective of any other support so certainly without a big marketing spend out of the business for example that was the brilliant work they'd done way before I arrived where they'd started to better invest in their people their community so you get that moment of them doing the marketing for you so holy grail we all you know many of us have all talked about it over the years when you get it right though it's super exciting um and so yeah from the moment uh the record gets a first play for example on our radio show which is arguably one of our biggest kind of marketing tools because it goes to it's like a number one itunes style podcast it goes to uh it has the most ridiculous kind of levels of reach the engagements you might play it out there first you might uh tease it out we might do lyric videos you might get uh, kind of visualizer content assets you might be very specific to the platforms that you put it on first we might now, for example, we've got a format called Inside the ANR, which lifts the lid on the production process. So you might tell the story of how it came about or the collaboration. You might create the kind of social post that's like its origins or where it's from or what it's remixed from. So you give the depth. It's very much about respecting the audience. They want to know, they want to learn, they want to hear. It's more than just a wicked sound. So if you can keep fueling all of that kind of curiosity about the record or desire to know more about the artist through social promos assets and with quite a high frequency too then you can find you know via kind of early first listens through beatport and track top tens and before you know it you might have a radio one playlist or you might or you might frankly just break the record anyway in terms of streaming and that's then what it comes down to because we will then look very carefully at streaming numbers and which playlist it's been put on And you will see this kind of growth accordingly. And that ability to set up a record is something that I I had to learn very quickly, but it's also still one of the most exciting parts. And it's exciting, not least because it isn't done and dusted. What I mean by that is, you know, the modern behaviours and attitudes of a discerning fan, for example, of dance music and the way it is consumed are changing and are continuing to. So there's a lot of interesting research we're doing right now which without revealing too much, and you know, it's due to the main findings will come out in a couple of months, but stuff like, you know, it might be more prevalent for someone under 24 to discover music through, I don't know, Shazam or the Spotify viral charts, or like, um, you know, maybe it's a case of your peer-to-peer group within WhatsApp and what you've got shared and how you discover it, or maybe the belief in the discoverer algorithm of Spotify, or maybe it's via TikTok. The point is all of these elements do exist many of them are more important than other depending on you know uh, location age stuff like that but it isn't like 20 years ago it isn't just I've heard that record on the radio and now I'm going to go and purchase it and that makes it super exciting how that lives now this year to your point on ecosystem of course is more pertinent than ever because if you release a frankly club banger there's no club to play it out in so there's quite literally a changing sound, there's a changing consumption habit, all of which you need to take into account. The pandemic has meant people actually have listened to more positive, upbeat music than ever before. It hasn't hit streaming. In fact, we've had a terrific kind of record year because people still want that uplifting nature of their music. But the style of it might be different. It might not be a suitable right this second to put out a techno record that requires a club to sort of uh, give it exposure. So those kind of variables are brilliantly
0: interesting albeit challenging to play in are you, are you sitting on a treasure chest of like the most incredible singles that you're like oh my god i can't believe you haven't released it yet and you're like next year is honestly going to be the year of creativity oh, it's like an explosion of new music we've i think
1: everyone we're talking to does believe the 2021 kind of positivity play i don't know if we're just willing it on yeah yeah but it's more that um, we've still put, like, there was a record by Boys Noise called Main Love, which is a terrific kind of record that came out in the summer. And it and actually kind of, you know, it, it kind of, it did really well. It burst out of the blocks. It got on Radio 1. But we were speaking to a really high-profile DJ that everyone would know the other day. And he was like, that's a classic example of if that was a normal summer, it would have gone and gone. Because you would have heard it every single time you're out in the streets of Ibiza, you would have heard it. But yeah. because you don't, it kind of fail, falls back again. Still a big record, still going to continue... To climb, streams-wise, no problem. You know, such is the evergreen nature of the DSP and the fact that you can just sit there. It's fine. No one's got a, a pressure beyond that. But it is interesting. It doesn't transcend because you don't have those perhaps, you know, iconic kind of clubbing or moments or festival summers that we're used to. So I think everyone is excited by the prospect, hopefully, of a vaccine-like world where we all step back into clubs and festivals and all sorts and these records can kind of take hold accordingly.
0: Yeah. Um, and you mentioned, like, you know, defective has this incredible fan base and, and looking at how we can position the label, you know, as this kind of direct-to-consumer business, whether that be with merchandise events and, like, you know, even the virtual events you put on in 2020. I mean, it's interesting because the music industry, there's so many big labels, and and yet I, I don't know whether it's the underground nature of house music or even kind of the kind of the the family aspect of, of, you know, even a label like Defected. But it, it, there seems to be such a more of a, like an emotional, emotional connection to be able to have fans that thrive within that ecosystem, that love Defected, kind of the festivals and want to wear the T-shirt and and really, you yeah. know, love listening to the radio stations and the artists.
1: I think it's a brilliant point. I, I, I observed that arguably even more outside looking in. I'm more aware of it, of course, when you're in it day to day in terms of the sheer fervor of that fan base. Yeah, you've got, you know... There's a handful, aren't there? XL, I think, did it very well over the years where they acted with such an editor of choice that they could move me very quickly from the XL recording second chapter, which is frankly a ravey, not early 90s, shut up and dance, like all of that sort of stuff into what XL eventually started with putting out. Do you know what I mean? And it goes all the way through to like an Adele, right? It's like, wow, that's eclectic. But you sort of trust the label as a sign of of quality now, that's very different because it's not got a singular niche but whether it be that or like a ninja there's a certain kind of editor of choice and you're absolutely right Defected very much has that brand kind of prowess where people are fans of 20 years ago or their fans are 20 months ago they kind of act in a similar way it's important as well that you continue to hone that and sharpen that you know the, the exact sound like Simon Dunmore himself has been I think much of the success that he's created was a Clarity of thought and purpose. He was unmoved when Napster happened. He was unmoved when EDM exploded in Las Vegas nightclubs and stood by basically signing great music and soulful records and stuff with a point and a purpose and a sound and everything else came back around again. And so I think great credit that you can kind of act in 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 that kind of manner likewise though there's a lot of great new records out right now that are perhaps not expected defected records um we've got a record by vintage culture who's this amazing huge kind of act in south america which is going crazy terrific record and maybe not textbook defected or a record uh, armageddon that a lot of people might have heard and know, which has got this almost rebel mc young mc lyrical kind of rap at the start again it doesn't might not be what people assume or we put calvin harris's love regenerator live without your love record out like in the summer we put it out effectively as club promo prior to sony like you know because they sort of wanted the credibility like or with the martinez brothers a great example that's all of us now but maybe there's people who go oh i didn't know you did that well that's cool or the other, the other labels, of course, enable enable you to do that as well, which is smart, by having such a big family, and there are a lot of uh, sub-brands within that people won't even realise, from DFTD to Classic. You know, Classic can put out Cakes the Killer or Honey Dijon, and there's a certain cool cred associated with that, but it's all our machine and our umbrella. So, yeah, it's um, the look, the finding, the looking, the seeking out of great new music is continual, and Simon is as creative and excited as ever when he finds it. And so for us, it's great that we then get to promote it accordingly.
0: Yeah. Incredible. And it, and it shows. So yeah, keep, keep it up. It's, it's awesome. Great. Um, so this year, what a crazy year 2020 has been. Um. You pretty much joined and really you were thrown into the deep end straight away. Um. You know, I think, what was it? You joined in January and then in March, um, yeah. you know, we, we went down into lockdown. So What were those first initial meetings like and how did you guys pivot so quickly? Because I remember actually being at the flat. Um, and I think I watched the first virtual festival. Like you guys turned that around like within a week. It was crazy.
1: Yeah. Um, two weeks prior to, to the lockdown, the official first lockdown, which is such a long time ago now, doesn't it? But that first lockdown proper, and I would call it because it really was a lockdown here in London where I'm sitting right now. Um, prior to that we actually went out from the office in Tessex we kind of knew it was coming and we tested the working from home thing but everyone thought i would be back in a few weeks so you know it's a bit of a laugh but what we did i remember taking some of the team actually my team into the, into the 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 kind of boardroom where we were at the time and i was like i just just did a bit around creativity from adversity that so many people know but with music it's a great point like some of the biggest things that's ever happening music have come out of moments like you know punk from the kind of 70s or you know, rave culture from sort of the Thatcher 80s Britain. And these bits happen for a reason, either from societal kind of unrest or whatever it might be. Now, I wasn't saying it was that, but I was saying this is an opportunity to stick ideas out there because the chances are we'll go with them. When you've got a brilliant, young, excitable team making great stuff, it's a really nice kind of call to arms. So we doubled down on storytelling. We doubled down on content. On doubled down on social. We knew we were going to. We put out more than ever. Said what we were doing. Came up with new formats like inside the viral or inside A or Clubland Adventures, like brand new little micro formats to fuel this time spent, frankly, on social or at home. The Sunday night prior to lockdown, um, we, as in the full lockdown, we uh, we had there was a WhatsApp conversation where our events had just been called off fully. And we said, well, it would be great to do something virtual to still bring people together. By the Monday, we announced it. Tuesday, all the DJs put their hands up and said, I want to be involved. Wednesday, Ministry of Sound said, we'll host it, so we've got kind of nothing going on. And that was when you still could put some people in the venue prior to proper lockdown. It was just socially distanced. Um, in the same time frame, we'd approached Facebook and YouTube, who were being super collaborative, said, we're in. Twitter then got in touch, said, we'd like to stream it too. So by the Friday, we went live. We went with Shapeshifters and uh we went with simon dunmore and sam devine and dan shake um gosh that first lineup um uh, i think monkey was on it It was a wicked lineup uh dave lee and it was it was funny because people like simon dunmore have played countless thousands upon thousands of gigs in front of hundreds of that probably now millions of people if you had all up he said he's never been so nervous <laughs> by that point we knew we had been on BBC News, we'd been in the Forbes magazine, Times, Telegraph, NME. It got ridiculous levels of kind of coverage and noise. And because of all the joined up nature and collaborative nature of all the platforms, we knew it had this most obscene reach, but he's playing into an empty venue. So it was a very strange, uh, but utterly exciting and nerve jangling experience. And pulling it off, we hadn't done it before. So pulling it off was great. I mean, for me there were bits that was like look I know what we can do we can promote it push it social get the platforms in that was like my world the bit I didn't know is like what you can just do all this in a venue but in three days and you can bring a couple of dancers in and you can play it out and it's gonna I can hear it like that the events bit but the events team are like yeah we can do that in like three hours because that's what they do all the time so that was a really early chance for me to see how these bits of the body all work together which was brilliant frankly and then um What a lot of people don't realize that any business or platform or brand is how much people do listen to community. So we sat there the morning after the night before on a Saturday morning in our respective homes on a Zoom call like this, reading comments from fans. And they were all like, that's amazing. You need to be here every week. You need to own the lockdown. You need to be here while we're stuck indoors. And through reading those comments, we ended up doing nine of the next 10 weeks of virtual festivals. It just became a it became a thing like bloody Joe Wicks, his PE or clapping on a Thursday night. It became one of them things for a period of time. And so, yeah, we were very thankful for that kind of response that the audience gave us.
0: Absolutely. And like, even as you mentioned, the, the detail of, you know, instead of just having like a normal live stream where it's just a DJ, um, you know, putting the defective touch, you know, having the drag performers and the dancers yeah, yeah, yeah. and the confetti and the smoke. I mean, <laughs> is that all Simon?
1: Yeah, he, he loves keeps going for it. I mean, we're doing a, um, we've been doing some ventures and we're planning another one, but he will always turn the key and go again. And, you know, we stopped after 10 weeks when people were still wanting it. Much of the reason was because we wanted to just check ourselves, regather and come out with something new, which we ended up doing. We came out, gosh, a month or two after that, then with an entirely new innovation that sort of used a gaming functionality on Twitch to divide it into four screens, uh, to allow people to choose a room like they would in a nightclub. Point is, we wanted to, to up it again and change it again. Or Simon wants to make sure that that same level of care and production, when he stands at about to open the doors at Glitterbox and Ibiza, he'll stand there and look around and ensure everything. You know, he's like an ECD, creative director-in-chief. Make sure it, it feels like the experience, the entertainment experience it needs to be. And it doesn't make any difference. As Even if it's virtual, it still needs to kind of matter like that we know this should and will never want it to displace the real thing everyone cannot wait to get back to frankly to a very safe but sweaty dance floor but it helps uh helped past tense and helps right now still bring people together give people a chance to feel a belonging and a part of something to converse and talk and share and dance as one and be a part of something together if that even helps 1% mental health, feeling cathartic, feeling a release, then it's a good thing.
0: Yeah. So big, big, uh big year was planned, you know, in 2020 with your own festivals in London and Croatia, Residency and ibiza and hosting stages at Creamfields, We Are Festival, and Tomorrowland, all which had to be canceled, unfortunately. Um were you guys ever considering virtual events, or did really kind of the circumstances force digital transformation? And have you been surprised by the adoption of your fans?
1: great question no listen it was a it was a moment in time born from necessity 100% um but my goodness it's been a lot of conversation since as in in a normal time you know i think it's very i think it's very likely 2021 look irrespective of affected you're going to see a hell of a lot of virtual events you're going to see a lot of hybrid events i think it's what's beautiful which can be forgotten on all of this is there's millions and it literally is in the numbers of millions per event who can't go to a normal event. There might be accessibility reasons. They physically can't like get there. You know, you you forget about that. We saw stuff from, you know, whether it be people who are bound by a wheelchair or, or it might be geography wise. It might be someone but they're in the, you know, we used to hit regularly over 100 different countries with every virtual event. These people can't get to Printworks in East London on a whim, which is a 5000 cap but you can get two and a half million people watching one of these things because it is all access. So there's a beauty in that that you can kind of forget. Um, And for that reason, even if everything was perfect tomorrow, I, for one, would definitely still be talking about, is there a virtual component here? Should we be considering this, you know, buying a ticket for that event? And you can also get a digital pass to give to a friend who can't go or whatever those mechanics are because that's about bringing it to life for more people, which is great. The other interesting thing in this time is the talent. And, and again, this is outside of defective. If you look at rock stars and stuff, people can't just stand on a stage at arm's length anymore and be expectant. They've had to lean in so much, but that's really cool. So if you think of triple A passes or meet and greets, all of those I think now can happen quite well in a virtual world. You know, I've seen that's happened in sport, in F1, in football, in premier league, like, you can get on a zoom and chat to your hero and it's created a greater proximity, which sounds like a paradox because it's never been, we've never been more removed, but in a strange way you can get so close now because of the guys zoom and more importantly, the talent are allowing it and embracing it because they have to. Now I think that's brilliant. So it might be that we do an event next year and yeah, you know, you could do an entire meet and greet uh, piece or spend time with the DJ prior to them going on stage. You can see how easy that now is. It's less novelty. It's like, yeah, that's a really cool thing to do actually
0: yeah and, and adding that additional layer i think you know mm. you know potentially are we going to see a hybrid season of ibiza when it does return you know will there be more you know uh live streams or kind of different types of access you know content and stuff you know i think it's super interesting exactly. um especially seeing some records been broken this year by you know major artists that have hosted some of these events and it, and and as you mentioned you know to have millions obviously there's, there's there's no comparison to actually being there on the sweaty dance floor but you know even from a business perspective if you're able to kind of unlock so much more revenue um from different from people around the world it's, it's crazy and that's you know that that could be pop look at Dua
1: Lipa she arguably the biggest female artist in the world granted but you know some pretty massive numbers came out the other day or Rock, Liam Gallagher you know exclusive gig looks bloody amazing down the River Thames gets to a load of people that perhaps you know you wouldn't have reached so easily who don't want to queue up on a sweaty night going to Ali Pali or wherever you've been, like nobody wants that to be the norm but to have it optional within a virtual hybrid environment or something like that i think there's a that is actually terrific
0: yeah and having access to some of the the best artists in the world you know you guys have had calvin harris pete tong monkey reva star like i guess normally these people would be packed up on their tour schedule so it's been great to be able to you know provide them a platform during the quiet time 100%
1: and they sort of say that too and there's a real mix there like you know for a lot of the artists you're you know the the virtual festival at one point I think I compared it to like the classic old music tv shows of the past because it became a really interesting promo vehicle you know there was a record or two through certainly through this summer that they were played so much in different sets so mixes of it was clear the correlation between the brilliant streaming uplift and frankly presence within sets on virtual activity and that's legit you know that's like the 90s and an indie band getting on TFR friday is basically going to stick him in the top 10 but it's the same point if you can get then a virtual activity in front of three million people but your record played four times in one event with banging djs it's going to do well <laughs> so the, the that was never the intent of course that isn't why you set out but you can therefore see the worth and purpose it kind of provides you know and a lot of these artists have struggled this year for obvious reasons so i think that's a great
0: little positive in an otherwise really tricky year. Did you feel um, you had to differentiate to kind of uh, cut through, through the, the noises at work? Because all of a sudden, I mean, obviously you were first to the mark, but then every person was doing a live stream or a virtual event.
1: Yeah. Would you know what, though? The point of being first to the mark, it wasn't like we were trying to run a race. We did want to come out of the blocks early, but it's amazing. The first move of advantage, what stays with you, as in we were very thankful that, we kept getting the love or the profiling or the interest and we're doing interviews and TV broadcasts way after the first one, even though there was another 20 or 30 or 40 events going on, there was, it managed to kind of, I guess, hold its own at that kind of top tier, which is lovely. And yeah, we, you know, Simon would spend a lot of time hand-picking lineups, making sure that there was that perfect blend from brilliant big names to perhaps someone new that people, people like Natasha Diggs is this amazing, cool, slightly very soulful disco american girl she's fantastic like so many people have discovered her through the virtual festivals for example or you know even one uh, ran a dj competition there's a girl called selena fader who's a super cool french parisian these people just you could bring to the fore but the point is you have the mix it might be someone like her and then you've got a bob sinclar like it's a pretty potent mix or purple disco machines he uses like a number one uh, artist in italy right now in fact so the point is there's a lot of time, care and attention. It's not just right. us just choose six artists and off you go. It's, it's, it's cared for in every sense from, is the artwork good enough painstakingly to, is the production values good enough to how can we vary this? When we did a big commercial piece with Heineken for the champions league back in the summer, you know, we really went then went to town and the incredible venues we reported live from the Luz in uh, in Lisbon and, we had like Idris Elba playing a set on top of the Amsterdam sort of tower at sunset, and it just looks the business. And we started to realise that, of course, it's evergreen. These beyond the live, if an asset looks that cool, it's going to rocket in terms of numbers. And so you might get a million live people is example numbers, you know, on the on the night, but that could be more four or five times that within two weeks because people love it and watch it and share it without you paying a single penny in terms of promotion.
0: Absolutely. And like even doing things, you know, especially for some of the the fans, you know, you you guys did like an exclusive Zoom party for the the festival guys that couldn't go to the Croatian festival, right?
1: That was cool. Um, Yeah. And we were also in that period just trying stuff out and we, you know, we still do and we can, but... Yeah, because we were due to, of course, have our Croatia Festival. Of course, it couldn't happen. So just like the Glastonbury guys, we gave everyone the opportunity to effectively move it into next year. And you know, sweet crowd, most of them did. But what they, what we didn't tell them was, like on the Friday of one so hot summer's weekend, we WhatsApped all of them on the group. And there's like a, or a couple of the groups we got with Kreshka and then we gave them a secret link to a secret party and they came on like this giant Zoom. We had DJs playing and they could meet DJs within certain breakout rooms and we did playful stuff. Like, everyone had a drink at the same time and we kept bringing in people in different focus, which was the kind of a real moment throughout. And it's just, none of it's perfect. It's quite raw. We tried stuff out. Some bits didn't work. I can't recall. But in other words, that's the game at the moment. And we're pleased we've got our place in this game of innovation and trying and being creative. But, you know, I sat there and I was really annoyed about Travis Scott and Fortnite because I thought it was terrific. I thought, like, wow, that's cool. Or thought the Tomorrowland stuff looked really interesting. Or the point is there's a lovely, mad, creative arms race going on right now to the very first Dua Lipa piece on Zoom, which was a pop video effectively choreographed with multiple Zoom windows, beautifully pulled off. I was like, oh man, wish we'd done that. But in a good way. I think that's, these are positive things from such a tough time that the sheer level of creativity is like there. It's, you know, it's a good, good standard, which is exciting.
0: But it's so refreshing to hear as well, you know, even for like a major brand uh, and labels such as Defected, you know, to have that kind of, um, you know, not, not afraid to fail kind of mentality or like wanting to innovate and try things out. It's like, I think maybe... There's a, there's a natural element of that, kind of with the, with the edginess or the rawness of the Ibiza or the club. Yeah. So you guys can get away with it. But I think it's great to hear rather than kind of like, no, we're going to stick to like, you know, XYZ and these are our boxes and lines and we can't move out of them.
1: You've got to. And it's an interesting analogous remark about, you know, the real life or Ibiza. Like there will be sets that have, that within our virtual series of 10, 12, 14 weights that I ever ended up in, there'll be a few that didn't work. But it would not mean we made a mistake necessarily. That's, that's an interesting learning. I can actually think of one. I will not mention it. It's a pretty big name. but just doesn't necessarily resonate in a virtual environment. The, the, the numbers aren't there. And it's surprising but I personally think they're a fantastic kind of DJ and things like that. Whereas others like, wow, they really pop online. That's interesting. How, so some get the most incredible love and sharing and comment engagement. And they're interesting learnings. That doesn't mean one's better than the other, but it might be about environments. It might be about certain platforms. It might be about music types for behavioral It might be about, you know, need states of an audience at a certain time. And and therefore that kind of differentiation it's all a learning. It doesn't mean, oh my god, we made a mistake. That's the good thing. It's like, no,
0: it's um, it's good to have that learning in the bank because we're only going to build off of it. So, besides the virtual events, I mean, you guys are going one step further and looking at kind of the music industry as a whole. And you know, on it has been an unfortunate year for many of those, whether you know the production crews or, or even the kind of the artists themselves in terms of being out of work. And it's obviously something that's quite. A prevalent topic at the moment um you are currently hosting we dance as one um mm-hmm. could you tell us a little bit about you know your recent airtime on bbc and sky news and and what we dance as one is all about um we dance as one and we've also got another kind of a sub event
1: which we called we talk as one basically we wanted to come back at a time when we think people frankly needed it the most we are just out we're right in the middle of a post-pandemic moment where much of hospitality, much of it's been used as political porn, much of it's been abandoned or ignored or people within it were at one point repeatedly by certain ministers were just told to retrain, find another business, just absurd. Not even, we just wanted a narrative, a conversation, a discourse to a, within the public there was a point that was almost like these are like little hobbies for people as opposed to the most brilliant skilled cinematographers or videographers or yeah. creatives or sound engineers, highly trained, brilliant, let alone the musicians or artists or DJ. So we put on a series of events that was meant to be a calling card for many people who've been displaced and actually made redundant. We got those guys physically in to host these events, to make them, to work on them. We advertised them and said, these are the guys who did it on like LinkedIn and within our socials, just to give a bit of a nudge and a help and a boost to those guys because they put on the most brilliant stuff and we're still doing it now and there's going to be a New Year's Eve one too. At the same time, we wanted to shine a light on what we say DJs do best because some of the DJs have got dragged into their own interviews and talking about like the plight of the pandemic. But what a DJ does best is play amazing records and be a showman or a showpiece. kind of. So we wanted them doing that. So, yeah, whether it be Carl Cox or Pete Tong, like pretty brilliant big names have been involved. We use disused and empty environments too, like clubs that are sadly currently mothballed or lying dormant. And, again, it's about impact and showing their worth to the world. And as well as these um, chances as well, and we, I've, I've sort of hastened, I'd rather hesitated to forget that we've also been raising money for Mind, the mental health charity, because so much of this is about the importance of music right now, but with no nightlife, with no night culture, with none of that going on, people don't have that release, the cathartic experience, the chance for respite doesn't exist, so we wanted to provide that. We've also been raising money for the Transyl Trust, which is a network of food banks. There's so much that's come out of, frankly, this complete erosion of their hospitality sector. And we're just doing our tiny bit to raise awareness, bring the conversation back to the fore. We've also been doing a thought leadership series. We're on a kind of um, every Friday lunchtime, free for access, free to everyone, just discussing it through various kind of strands. First one, had the likes of Sasha Law, Michael Kill, very much about, the political situation, the absurdity, but can we plot our way through it? Then we talked actually specifically around the music, the changing nature of sound and music in this time and what that might mean to clubbing in 2021. The third is about the promotion post-pandemic if there's less gorilla, no outdoor no flowering then where's the kind of promotion to be had around you know music and the force very much looking to the future and for these very very young kids is like all is not lost and we've got people like Point Blank and Bridges for Music and Hospital Records and Funk which and a really brilliant crew talking about if you're a young 18 year old kid this is what you can do or this is what you should be doing and so we've got a bit of a narrative there because again all we want to do is get people talking and not just have this ridiculous sweeping people need to retrain which was just
0: utterly offensive and this is again us doing what we can um in that space. Well congrats and yeah thank you for all what you guys are doing it's um it's incredible to see and the music industry you know is is hopefully going to be back soon um yeah super thank exciting. You. Um so busy man how do you stay focused on moving forward and making progress
1: personally or like in a worky kind of personally uh I do boxing a bit which is the only exercise I like so I smash pads very hard (laughs) which I love I really do you
0: have an anger management course as well (laughs) clearly
1: I probably require it but that's it but then I guess my flip side is I I've tried to restart my drawing because I went to art college when I was young and I hadn't done it for years and I've literally recently bought myself a bunch of new sketch pads and pencils and the full works and i'm just making myself at certain moments just do a quick drawing which is the most cathartic thing in the world and i happen to live in a part west london near a river so i'm very lucky that it's kind of yet to get some very natural drawing inspiration yeah that's kind of that's as close as i get to a meditative style state i think at the moment it's just letting a pencil do the work albeit not very good but it's not about that it's just about mark making and the feeling that that gives it reminds me of being yeah, 18 19 years old at art college
0: which is good times Nice. What are you curious about right now?
1: Anything in the world of physics, quantum physics, the universe. I'm utterly obsessed with everything that's around the connection and how we are all ultimately connected. Or I'm badly obsessed going back onto this planet with uh trees fungi the fungal network which is more like the internet how trees talk to one another protect to each protect each other the brilliant stuff there's a brilliant piece was in the new york times Mm, it's worth a search uh basically the intelligence of stuff like trees or the intelligence going all the way out into the universe somewhere in between all of that i can't get enough
0: of (laughs) awesome and what advice would you have for a young person Looking to get into the music industry. Do it.
1: Roll the dice. Do not stop making, doing, showing what you're up to. So try and be multifaceted. Don't like you know, don't get scared about stretching yourself too thin, but these are different times. multiple not just a hey i do this well that person probably going to be more interesting because the reality is the practical now i also personally think that's a good thing because it's good not to be boxed in early when you're young because it will probably be one of the other elements that you end up doing which you don't realize so trying to not just talking about it, just physically going to do it we've never been more able to create that classic bowie thing actually wasn't it before he died when he said people need to create more and curate less it's very easy to just continue to document but if we can just layer up with young people to physically make and do and craft and create and don't care about the beautifully finished outcome just keep doing then that's a good thing and you'll be in a great shape to then try and get into something like music or another passion
0: great advice and looking at the future, obviously, there's still some unknowns, but exciting. I see Defected has a new office in the works and a collaboration space.
1: Mm. Uh,
0: when is that ready? And what do we have in store for us to look for in, in the future with Defected?
1: It's good timing, actually. Funnily enough, literally today, as you and I are recording this, it was signed off uh, from the building, uh, uh, the, the kind of design company. It's a flipping amazing space. We're super excited by it. We are just able actually to just get the first few people back in and little rotor systems in a safe and secure kind of way. But the basement basically of our offices is a content creative media hub. It's recording studios, multiple green screens, are an NTS star hatched for broadcast, for live streams. We've got bleacher kind of auditorium, showpiece events we can do there, bring audiences in. It's pretty amazing. And it's just going to create a feeling of we need to keep making stuff and doing stuff. We've also, um, we're going to be announcing something at the start of 21, which will really bring that to life. So lots of our programming that's going to come out of there, new style formats, new shows will be in conjunction with someone that most people will know, which is super exciting. We've also got a documentary coming out we've been working on a documentary for nearly two years now um called where love lives which is effectively a story um to the people's journeys to the dance floor how they got there but, mo- but more like the challenges of the lgbtq plus community it's got the most ridiculous lineup of protagonists involved from honey dijon to nikki ciano jelly Beam, uh, uh billy porter it's an incredible array of sort of wonderful talking heads it's a glitter box film, but it's not an advert for glitter box. It's just everything about it. But when you watch it, it's like, oh, I need to get back there. But we're going to be hopefully doing a full cinema release with that, um, as well as kind of a big kind of live screening on on probably with, with the likes of a YouTube. So that will be our first foray into something which is such long form storytelling, which I can't wait to bring to the world.
0: Wow so exciting I really look forward to to seeing that. Yeah. Um and lastly I mean how can people find you social channels and anyone you know what's the best place to 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 taste defected records.
1: Tasting defect is very easy because it's got a very re- well run site defected.com is but editorially always up to date or any of the socials literally any of them defected Instagram is you know is a lovely fun but very in depth the guy who runs it it's just a beautiful place of learning, frankly, the stuff you go, oh, I didn't realise it was that like, lovely kind of depth to, to the records. And me, yeah, embarrassingly, my handle at Spoony Bear on Twitter or whatever. But I listen, as with most people, I'm sure that you interview, people love hearing from people. It's always nice if people are reaching out and talking and saying they have an interest or do you have an idea. As busy as we all are, we will always get back in the end. So it's a great opportunity to meet and see stuff and frankly see and find new
0: talent as well. Awesome. Well, that sadly is the end of the episode. You've been fantastic, James. I mean, the insight shared is so interesting. I think, you know, whether they're people that are new to Defected or, you know, great fans like myself, but, you know, super interesting episode. So really appreciate appreciate your time and you know look forward to seeing what's what's happening in the future. Thank you so much. Have a good day. Thanks and you bye. Thanks for listening. I hope this podcast can intrigue, inspire and provide some key tips and tricks for a lot of people. I would really appreciate your help to grow the community. If you know anyone that you think would enjoy this podcast, then please send it their way. And if you can subscribe and leave a review, it would mean so much. And it really supports the show. Thank you and see you next week.